Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now tuned into Chunky Glasses, the podcast, the finest podcast ever recorded in a basement in Washington, D.C., powered by cats. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we've got a great podcast for you this week. Um, we're going to be talking about a new album from a gentleman by the name of Chester Watson. A little hip-hop extravaganza, but sort of a surprise and audible, if you will. We're recording this on the eve of the Super Bowl, after all. Um, that uh, Paul shot me an email on my way back from New York. Went up there to see Hamilton and Jenny Lewis. Just see Hamilton. It's fucking amazing. Um, more on that in a, in a second. Uh, but uh, he emailed me and said, hey, you need to check out this album. Uh, and listen to the first four tracks and I said yes yes we're doing that we're talking about that uh, so we're going to be talking about that we're going to be talking about why you should not loan Martin Guitars to Quentin Tarantino or Kurt Russell because terrible terrible things happen uh, also we're going to be playing a new track from a, uh, a just started project from Ryan McLaughlin called, uh, it's called Jaws J-A-U-Z-E uh, featuring him uh, John Scoops and uh, Eric Slate of Stronger Sex. I, uh, I found out about this last night at the Beauty Pill Show, which was fantastic. Hopefully you were there. Uh, and talked to Ryan a little bit and uh, heard about this project. Checked it out. Expected, you know, as expected, it was amazing. So uh, we're going to put that in your ears in case you hadn't heard it yet. Uh... As I mentioned before, we went up to see New York and caught a few shows. Uh, I want to say, I think we're going to talk about Hamilton a little more on this podcast, but but I want to throw this out there. You know, people make fun of musicals and whatnot. Maybe it's not your thing. Uh, this is American history as told with a ethnic majority black cast using hip-hop as the language. Uh, it is a work, uh, to, to quote a phrase, as of staggering genius. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it that melded uh, just aspects of theater, of, of social awareness, of of just writing good music. It, it, it's just top to bottom. Fucking amazing. So check out the soundtrack. Go see it. I'm trying to get Marcus Dowling to go see it uh, so that he can come back and we can talk about it. This is... Uh, I guess a good analog might be this is the uh, To Pimp a Butterfly of Broadway musicals. If that sounds weird, it's because you haven't seen it. So, uh, highly recommended. Uh, so, I guess with that out of the way, we'll get to the podcast. So, here you go. This is episode number 155 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're talking about the new album from Chester Watson entitled Past Cloaks. Okay. It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man leaves. Merely a two-word review. Just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and go That right there is a wonderful sound. Yeah. yeah, this is not the sports podcast. This is the music podcast. 
Uh, welcome back, Paul. Wait, wait, wait. Are, are we doing Huey Lewis's sports? At, you know, <laughs> I, I proposed that four long years ago, and I did the math. We actually have been doing the podcast for four years now. Like, officially. This is we, we hit the date. Uh, Give us uh, another term, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> four more I proposed years. that, and you motherfuckers shot it down. So, yeah, because it's a dumb idea. So, no, so don't, no. <laughs> No, you know, I, I was listening to another podcast that claimed Huey Lewis had the biggest dick in show business. That's really no, neither here nor there, but I'm just saying. that's That has to be true. Yeah. Like, there's no way that's not true. Right. <laughs> Milton Berle? I mean. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we, we could just read off. It was the Nerdist, so we could just read off their bit that they were doing right now. <laughs> um Sports is a fantastic album, regardless of what Paul thinks. So, so we're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, Chester Watson album today called Past Cloaks. Uh, it's actually one of your pools, Paul. But before we get to this, uh, we like to poke fun at the media. I think that's a theme that's developing this year. A uh, story popped up uh, about the filming of The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's film. Apparently in The Hateful Eight, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is playing the guitar. Kurt Russell walks over to the, her, picks up the guitar, and smashes said guitar. Now, this is a thing that happens in films and happens in bad punk bands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, in this case... At, at John Spencer shows. Still. At John Spencer yeah. shows. In this case, it was a 125-year-old Martin guitar. Now, if you don't play guitar, you might not know what a Martin is. Now, Martin is basically the best acoustic guitar. It is the Stradivarius of acoustic guitars. Right. It is a guitar I don't have because they are expensive as fuck. Like a, a good, I mean, they make a lower end thing, but a good Martin guitar can run you 10 grand and it's worth it. You could not play a note of guitar and you pick up a Martin and start playing and you're like, it's fucking Segovia. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is very interesting because they, uh, Captured this for posterity. I mean, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it's like, on tape, like, right? Like, it's, ooh, no, it's in the film. Right, right, right. And it, Quentin Tarantino's like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that Martin Guitar Museum, who they was on loan for, was it, it initially had been reported that they were like, oh, that's cool, bro. That happens all the time. Released a statement a few days later. It said, yeah, not cool. We're done. <laughs> I, I, you know the. The thing I love about this story, and I, and I have a question about why the guitar wasn't insured properly, because I, I don't think I understand that. But the thing I love about this is it that this, this seems like, oh, it was, okay. So this seems like such a perfect summation of this current stage of Quentin Tarantino's career. And I'm going to say this as, a, as someone who's not been impressed by his last two films, have not, seen, have not seen Hateful Eight. But this is exactly what Quentin Tarantino does. He takes an important historical object and shits all over it <laughs> because he cannot, be, he cannot be trusted with the responsibility for handling important things. Mm. I disagree with basically every word of that statement. <laughs> um, and The Hateful Eight was an excellent movie. That said, it is the director's responsibility to make sure that you swap in the stunt guitar for the priceless antique <laughs> when you're doing the guitar smashing scene. Well, more to the point, why the fuck were you using it in the first place? I mean, look. Historical uh, authenticity. I, he, he loves that. Like, and this, and the, if you've seen The Hateful Eight, the way it's set up is it's almost a, it's almost a stage play. Almost everything takes place sure. in, the same, in the same setting. So the, the period trappings are very, very important. And look, 
Quentin Tarantino's a giant nerd. He, I think he's a giant he, asshole, apparently. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think he did this intentionally. No, but, but, but he, so I don't think he's, I don't think he's an asshole, but I think that he's the kind of guy who's like, I could, you know, I could get just a stunt guitar and have it out there and have it look the same, but you know, it would be really cool to be able to know that I have the real thing right there. He just didn't take the appropriate precautions to make sure the but, real thing stayed in shape. But only a giant asshole does that. Like no, that, no, that is it, that's like buying like the farmer bro buying the Wu Tang album. That is <laughs> so like it, it wasn't a, that is absolutely not an analogy that works. I know, I know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it works for me, bro, and that's all that matters. Uh, and I just edited all your things and say you're exactly right, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you ever do you have anything where I say that? <laughs> no, goddammit. it. <laughs> So it won't work. Um, it'll be all letters, <laughs> syllables. Like you can't, and you are right. <laughs> um, now, but here's the thing: is like it wasn't sure uh, those instruments, okay. especially the ones made back then. You know, this is the birth of American like luthiers. Mm -hmm. uh, it is irreplaceable. It doesn't matter how much it's insured for; it is irreplaceable. That specific instrument. Uh, and while I am not a, uh, and this is well documented. Uh, a collector of things, a, uh, a, a like all digital and stuff. I do have a, a very soft spot for instruments. I don't have a lot of them, but like my Strat, I've had since I was sixteen. Wow. And you know, if you tell me that I can play a hundred twenty-five year old guitar, I'm going to tell you no because I, I, I like if if you're giving it to me and it's mine, sure. But like I'm going to no, I'm not touching that. That is somebody else's. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I just don't understand, and I guess this was Hollywood practice, like to do stuff like this. But you have talented luthiers who can recreate this. The sound wasn't important, like nothing right. about that was important except that it looked like that thing. And to the point of authenticity, this article actually points out the song she was playing wasn't even made until four years after the fucking movie took place. <laughs> So, so it's just, it's just a weird comedy of errors that you're just like, huh? Like, I mean, good on Martin for just fucking dropping the boom, saying no more. But it's so you know, I think about like the world of bluegrass, where um, you know people like like there's a story about Sam Bush and David Grisman both have like. Gibson F5 mandolins from like 1932 or something. Which you should point out that you're a banjo guy. <clears throat> right, right, right. I, I do play yeah, the banjo. Yeah. I don't have a like pre-war White Widow or something, right. but uh, if not, if anybody out, out there wants to start a an Indiegogo for me, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> no, but but so, but so there's this great story where like Sam Bush and David Grisman are recording together, and it turns out that their mandolins are actually sequentially numbered, like they were built one right after another. Mm -hmm. um, and just the idea that there's this like precious now almost hundred year old instrument, and the best way to protect it is to leave it in the hands of people who care for it. Yeah, right. Despite the fact that once a year or so you hear a story about a Stradivarius going missing in New York and a cab driver returning it or something, I think right. that happens every now and then. But it's just it's it is you know it's you know music is different from other artistic crafts in that the tool itself can become an artifact, um, and it gains in value. Right, mm -hmm. actors don't have that. Um, Certainly not the case with most other painters or other creative artists, but with musicians, like they are, you know, like someone, someone has to inherit that mandolin from David Grisman, right? Someone mm -hmm. has to inherit like Bela Fleck's collection of banjos at some point. Like yeah. these are things that, that are sort of cultural artifacts and they're important. 
And so, go ahead. No, and so just to just to go back around to my first comment. So if you're coming. Uh, at this from the same place that I am in terms of how you view the late arc of Quentin Tarantino's career. This just seems so like just just so in keeping. With why his... is the focus on Tarantino here? Because the, he's he's the director, no, the producer. But hold on for a second. I'm not saying he shouldn't have he shouldn't have kept an eye on this. But you guys have just made great points about how these are irreplaceable artifacts. You know who's responsible for ultimately well, taking well, care of that? <laughs> the Martin Museum. Well, well, hold on. No, listen no, to me. Okay. If if this if if this is really the case that these are irreplaceable, you can't ensure the value of it because you can't replace the value with money. Yeah. They shouldn't be loaning them out because you I, know what I they get they get remuneration for it, but they also get to put at the Martin Museum as seen in Quentin Tarantino's movie X. Right. And I guarantee yeah. they put that in their promotional oh. materials, and that means that they valued whatever additional cachet that they got from yeah. from the movie over the chance that the that the piece might be destroyed and now they're changing that policy and that's fine but they certainly as the keepers of these priceless artifacts what? do not escape why do you criticism. have to be logical? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> like, no, that 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 is very that is very simple. Fair points. Fair yeah, points. Fair points. Um so I guess the point is like just don't loan out your fucking instruments, man. I mean, uh, so, right. And <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to take another pot shot at Quentin Tarantino, but he needs to stop putting shit up his nose. And I believe that that's <laughs> that's probably somehow directly related so you're to not his lack, of, his lack of control on set. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's movies are universally awesome. I'm just saying that. <laughs> Mark for edit. Uh, and uh, so I guess since we're talking about films, it's actually a good thing because we... Uh, this young man, Chester Watson, that we're about to talk about. It's very versed in film, so let's get into that now. Yo. I'm tired of eating microwave pizza. And in my mind, you know I've been psycho slave Jesus. Leave the ladies wet like a tidal wave. We did I alone goodbye to being your whole team, bitch. It ain't over to the fat lady scene. I don't see any fat ladies on my team. It's new age niggas with a swagger that's the mean. Colder than the naked winter spent in green. And yeah, I caught you red handed, better freeze it. You think you fly, I shoot you down like geese. Wait, I mean goose, and my dreams always lucid. Got the bitch in my two cents for no fucking reason. And I leave my words slurring like the seasons. End of days coming soon, check it, that's my thesis. I ain't trying to get messy like a greaser. So if you trying to diss me, better know I doubt crease you. Buddy. Niggas be trying to roast niggas. Fucking shirt costs more than your whole outfit. <laughs> what the fuck? And like a size 12 gauge, you were basic. 12 gauge, your face hell raised the place, bitch. Trek, you just heard very clearly samples uh, a famous movie I think we're all familiar with, Wizard of Oz. The name of the track is, in fact, Wicked. Having just come back from New York City and seen all the wicked signs and listening to it, wow. Looking at said signs, it was a very surreal experience. Uh, the track is from uh, Chester Watson, not his real name. 18 years old, lives in Florida, obviously hyper-proficient with the movie samples. Uh, I see, this was actually your pick, Paul. He brought it to our attention. I see why uh, you were initially drawn to this. You know, it sounds a little bit like Earl Sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. Which, which is one of your favorite. Uh, also sounds like MF Dune. And, uh, and I'm going to throw out a name that uh, a lot of you listening might not know uh, Basehead. 
Uh, plays, this was back, this is back in the yeah. yeah plays with toys back in the nineties. Uh, still, that's one of the ones I want to do a podcast on. Just that album, that like, yeah. dissect it. Um, I think I think that's a, an underheard. I, I still have the CD to harken back to a previous discussion. Um, but yeah, it's it's an underheard album, and they didn't nothing happened with them, you know. But it's uh, yeah. But yeah, this is this is very much well very something. Well, something happened. He's now a Christian rapper. He plays up in Adams Morgan once in a while. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's a lot. That's good. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's very weird. So so at any rate, this kid, um, like he graduated high school early. He was a ballet. Uh, you know, there's not a lot out there that you can find out about him except the material. This is uh, the name of this album that we're talking about is Past Cloaks. It is. Uh, I don't know if a greatest hits is the right thing. It pulls from a bunch of EPs. Can, can and you yeah. have a greatest hits at his age? Sure. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, okay. it, it's all stuff that he recorded, like starting at 15, and I think going up through 17. As I understand it, it's mostly like, you know, underground releases. As I think you pointed out, he's, uh, you know, this was a streaming and cassette only release. So yeah. that's the kind of guy he is. And he's just like pulling pulling together some stuff he had on Bandcamp and some some stuff that he might have had just in physical form. I don't know if it was all available streaming before and kind of putting it into into an album format. Yet, you know, it, it flows really well for having come mm-hmm. from uh, yeah. disparate sources. He's got a pretty clear artistic vision. Um, he does love those samples. He does enjoy the marijuana it seems yeah. so, uh, but he's pretty unabashed about all of that. That he's like that he he likes what he likes. It's indicative of who he is and uh, what his friend group are listening to. And he's we're, we've been kind of playing uh, off off mic, trying to play uh, spot the sample here. The the song that we just played is uh, is one of the easy ones um, because it's got the because it's got the the uh, Wizard of Oz in yeah, there. Yeah. But, you know, we were finding Adventure Time. There's like a hundred uh, samples in this thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I heard 30 Days of Night. I looked one up that I recognized, and then it turns out it was from a Cowboy Bebop episode. I mean, these are... That's crazy. Is is this free, like a mixtape? Um, I don't know if it's free. I, I streamed it on Spotify. Uh, I, think I, it, I think it almost has to be, because like the, the clearance level... Like the, the classic hmm. problem with Paul's boutique is you clearing all the samples. The, you can buy the cassette for eight dollars, I think, on Bandcamp. <sighs> I'm going to ask Casey Ray about it's Bandcamp this. or SoundCloud. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know the cassettes for sale, which is yeah. which is what I want to talk about in a minute. Um, that uh, yeah, the the just the sheer it's an overwhelming amount of samples. You can't tell. There's one. Uh, that if anybody listening knows where this came from, it said, well, if love can't live here, then evil will do. I feel like I've seen that movie. I know what it is. I have no idea what, but it fits into this narrative that what's weird about this all coming from disparate sources uh, throughout his like short career. There's a, actually, I think a little bit of a theme that runs through this. There's a lot of references to television uh, taking mm-hmm. over. There's a, a lot of references to the media. There's, um, yeah, when I listen to a, an album like this, what sort of makes me laugh is like when hip hop came up, it was referred to as the uh, black CNN. And, you know, it, it was highly politicized, highly charged. And more and more and more, you have a lot of this stuff that's sort of like the black G4. Like, and, and on this record, like, and there are some songs about social issues like peppered throughout this, but it is a lot to do with hanging out, getting high, and fucking playing a video game. Mm-hmm. Which normally, like that, that doesn't appeal. I, I don't know why that appeals to anybody. If you if you want to listen to like a 
track of me playing Madden, I guess. But you know, <laughs> but he elevates it to the, to to an art uh, way and a, a unique insight into like his life, more personal, I think, uh, than anything else. Eduardo, what do you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think uh, uh, um, it sounds like you're headed a little bit, Kevin, toward um, this question about you know how do we uh, should it be. Is it a knock on him that this album doesn't seem to deal explicitly with any political or social <laughs> issues? And 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 I don't. I know. I know you you weren't you know trying to to insinuate that, but I think but I think the 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 point is is that you know hip hop can uh, you know I think I think we'll know that hip hop is fully realized as a genre when like we hear people rapping about like going bald or something or like you know like it it, it can deal with I'm like sure we could find that <laughs> it can it can deal with very very mundane uh, everyday things. I think what the hook in this album, even though there's a lot of like weed video games and uh, advice from his mom, that, that, that shows up a lot. Um, I think and, what, and pussy. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's some of that. It's some a companion piece. We are, we are talking about a teenage boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. like none of this should be surprised. Right, right, Absolutely. right. And this is a companion piece to Rihanna's anti maybe. Yeah, it's a there's 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 a sense that like so this is clearly the music that he and his buddies want to be making. There are a lot of probably inside jokes and it's like like there's a feeling of like almost like mythology building here. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it keeps me thinking that there's something going on that I'm not quite understanding and I don't think I've I've cracked it yet. But um, but it's going to keep me engaged as a listener for 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 quite a long time, I think, because I really want to understand what you know, what it is that I'm not getting yet about um whether there is a message there or if it's just so kind of dense and referential and um erudite and like there's literary references there's there's greek mythology there's the rhyme of the ancient mariner i mean he's not shy about pulling from basically the entire western yeah. canon right which is cool which for a seventeen-year-old is yeah, is, uh, and, then, and there's his typical like hip hop braggadocio. It's like yeah, it's like, right. You know, in most of the songs, to be clear, I one of the, one of the neat tricks that this album pulls is that uh, it you know back to the sample point, it does reference a lot of samples that are like in hip hop history, like mm -hmm. the Wu Tang thing. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, this sampling film is not new. But I think a lot of the samples that he pulls is it's, it's unique because it'll bring it into a broader appeal. Like you can't hear "Wicked" what we heard up front and not be like "Wizard of Oz." Everybody knows "Wizard of Oz," right? And there's points like this throughout, uh, and then pulls in the Adventure Time and stuff, which uh, you know you love. I don't, but you know, shows dope. Yeah, and that, but that's why I didn't get it because I I didn't love it. But I understand the kids like it. They're tip with them. Um, Paul, what jumped out? To you about this album first that you were like, yeah, you need to check this shit out. Well, there's a couple things. Um, one, I am a sucker for really well placed um, movie and TV show uh -huh. samples. Yeah. So <laughs> I listened to it. I was like, this is this is Paul bait. Yeah, but but also, <laughs> I mean, his flow. You mentioned that it's it comes off a lot like Earl Sweatshirt, and I like that. I like the the slower, more deliberate style a lot. Like there's not, there's not a lot of like showing off about how fast you can, you can rap here and how many different layers you can go in there. He like, he knows what he wants to say. His production I think is incredibly tight to work with the, with the, the type of flow that he's trying to go with. And it kind of sucked me in because of that. Like I, when I, when I first pulled it up, it was one of those where I was like, Oh, I'll probably listen to a few tracks of this, see if it's any good. And then I, you know, 
listened to it all the way through and I think sent Kevin, Kevin a message after like three or four songs and was like, yeah, you should probably check this out. Like, I mean, it I, hits you pretty quick. Yeah. So these songs don't have hooks. Most of them are under two and a half minutes probably. Yeah. Right. I would say at least half the tracks on this album clock in at just a second over two minutes. And so he just, he just gets in and out. Um, it's, it's a really, uh, it's a, that's really bold, I think to like, to yeah. not like, it's, it's not aspiring for any kind of commercial success, right? Which is maybe yeah. why it seems artsier than, um, than a lot of hip hop. Um, but, but, and then to your point earlier too, Paul, like it does flow really well together. Like I didn't realize that this was kind of a compilation of all these other releases because you hit play on it and 40 minutes later you're like, wow. Yeah, that it was, sounds that like was an album. I, yeah. I found that out after the like eighth listen. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on here? Uh, which says to me that the kid is like, his head's in the game and he has a plan. Yeah. Uh, let's hear a track real quick from this so you guys know what the fuck we're talking about if you haven't heard this. Uh, this one is about what, midway through the album? What are we doing? Are we Pharaoh? Doing Pharaoh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is Pharaoh. Shit, I'll ever hear. Dumb it down so I don't come off a verbal grenadier locked inside the mental sphere. So see the end is near. Alright, so Pharaoh, that's that's a more uh, down key track on this, but it sort of gives you the vibe of of the album. You know, you know, we can't stress enough. There's a lot of weed on this album, <laughs> but but I will say this is you know I was reading a uh, a review on Pitchfork just. To, Due diligence, see what's going on. Uh, and this is going to get into the cassette thing. Um, don't don't ever use the term blunted delivery again. It's not clever. <laughs> right. Like, just reviewers out there. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not clever or smart. But uh, what I did find out from reading that article uh, was uh, that this is a cassette release. You buying cassette. And, you know, we often mock cassettes. And maybe we'll do this right now. But... At least there's actually a reason behind it, according to him, is that you listen to this cassette and you keep listening to it. And as it degrades, it gets closer and closer to maybe the sound he was trying to get. Is that is that the gist of that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the theory that I've uh, I've heard thrown out there. Yeah. Um, you know, you've seen people do work with that before. I think most notably William Bazinski, Disintegration Loops was all yeah. about that. But uh this isn't quite the disintegration loops. But uh No, but it's clearly referenced in but it, it, which but, again yeah, is like right. what? But I mean I, but I think that's cool because these uh like the sound you can already you can hear even in the digital files mm-hmm. that little scratchiness in the background and you can imagine that after 
you know, 20, 30 plays of the of the tape, that that scratchiness right. is going to get more, that these, these kind of like already washed out, faded uh, samples are going to get even more background and glitched out. You're going to lose words out of it. It's, yeah. it's kind of cool. It's a, As a process, it's cool. I mean, maybe he should set up a gallery installation and just loop this and uh, see yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Leave, leave it in my old... Uh, Ford Escort station wagon for a couple of summers. See, <laughs> Park see your Ford Escort uh, station wagon in the gallery and then use it as the sound system. <laughs> could I was trying to think of a he could like film it over many summers and Smithsonian give call money. boyhood, That's a good boyhood, idea. boyhood <laughs> tape hood. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and that that uh, normally actually I scoff at that. I'm like, yeah, you uh, artist, get your head out of your ass. But that, in this case, I think, because of the sonics on the album as a whole, like, it actually is like, oh, shit, wait, that actually might work and might be something I'm interested in to see how it goes. Uh, And and I guess that's what's most impressive to me about him is, uh, you know, he has a crew down there. The name of the crew is... uh, Is the New Age? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, New Age Syndicate. Okay. So he has a team of producers, and they're they're list of producers all over this, uh, but they're all seem to be like minded in in getting this product that is in a market that is completely saturated with just sameness. Like it just jumps out at you, and like, mm-hmm. fuck, this guy's actually thinking about stuff, and it takes you on a journey. I, I recently, um, actually, this will this episode will be out before the pines. So recently, the band The Pines, we played their song on this podcast, and and we talked a lot about the the pines uh and and how a lot of their music is meant to to maybe lull you into sort of a dream state, or at least put you in in a place where you can like look at this like dream space that they're creating. So I think this does this uh, a lot very well. Uh, and again, this is not. I mean, you know. 44-year-old white guy living in D.C., so it's not directly relate to this, but, you know, even just sitting down and listening to it the other day, it's transportative. I was I was having fun. Uh, last night I watched the, um, happened to catch the last, like, 25 minutes of 8 Mile, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, whenever, it's, it's like the ending of Karate Kid or Rocky. Like, yeah. if you can catch the last 20 minutes, like, you're practically required to watch it i bet i bet there's a sample of that in this <laughs> somewhere <laughs> so but but i was because i'd been listening to this album so much i was trying to imagine chester watson being dropped into the middle of that rap battle and just delivering the weirdest most abstract <laughs> yeah yeah verse and having the crowd go huh like we're not we don't we're not sure if the other guy got dissed or not like we <laughs> well, because, yeah because you don't know that. at any point like if you're hallucinating like what's yeah. going on in this it's disorienting but at the same time ties you down to something and you're like you're along for the ride yeah yeah uh i don't know so paul what are you gonna do with it oh i'm gonna buy it yeah i like this album a lot are you buying the cassette uh, let's just say that this is more of an abstract buy because I don't have a way to play a cassette. So okay. I can I can loan you my Walkman that I got for Christmas along with that Guardians tape. So <laughs> okay. Do you what? have the puffy foam headphones to go? It with comes it? with that. It's not the highlighter yellow Sony. You know the waterproof one. Yeah, that yeah. we all had. Yeah, it's not that one. But uh, what about you, Eduardo? Uh, I'm gonna keep streaming it. Are you stream it? I'm actually gonna buy it. I might buy the tape. Ooh. This will be the only tape I bought. <laughs> I can't play it, but I'm just like, fuck, that, like, all right. I I, I, uh, I believe in what uh, 
young Chester Watson is doing. So uh, almost a triple buy. <laughs> not quite there you go so uh, we should we should check back with me in six months I okay might, i might end up buying so. uh so chester watson past cloaks check it out these nuts got got Yo. Yo, I don't really love, but I laugh a lot. Camelot's looking like a broke down Basquiat replica. Everyone left the building except for us. Get stoned and see the world's in shades of sepia. Who's next to us? No one. Chester Samurai, but only half of the Shogun. Brash as a clone cuts deep in the soul on the stroll as he goes nuts peep the control of composure chrome for appendages thrown in the scrimmages the unstable we are at the end of our podcast so you know what that means uh it's time for us to play a song uh this one sort of fell in my lap uh, last night at a beauty pill show uh if we've talked about type fighter here we've talked about polyon we've talked about joy buttons the common denominator and that is when ryan mclaughlin uh, to my mind, he is this city's uh, most vibrant resource as far as music goes. Uh, he is a songwriter, not of just impeccable taste, but also he's more prolific than Stephen King. The guy cannot stop producing stuff. Uh, and uh, so he's formed another band with his previous bandmates, uh, John Scoops, who is also a treasure in the DC scene, and Eric Slate, who plays in Stronger Sex, uh, is on drums on this. The name of their new product is, or product, because it's a demo, actually. The name of the new product is called Jaws, J-A-U-Z-E. Hopefully I'm producing that right. Uh, the name of the track is Maybe You Did. It is literally two demos they uploaded to Bandcamp, and I would say to all the lo-fi bands who think that their aesthetic is good, like, understand, this is a demo. Uh, so here we go. This is one of them. Uh, name of the track is Maybe You Did by Jaws.
right, maybe you did from Jaws. Uh, Paul, that's sort of your sweet spot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it, we've said it before in this podcast. We can't say it enough, like, like how much of an asset <laughs> Ryan is to the city and the people he works with, you know, not to discount, like, Scoops or Eric Slade at all. Uh, a guy's just got it. If you are listening to this podcast and you work on, like, a CW show, and don't hate me for saying this, Ryan. <laughs> uh, find this guy. Buy all his shit. Give him a job. He will write you the best fucking songs. And, uh, yeah. It's so just... I, I assume Rob Thomas, creator of, of Veronica Mars and uh, iZombie, listens to this. So Yes. So, Rob, does. get on that. Put this song on iZombie. It'll sound yeah, great. Yeah, so. it's, it's just amazing. And, and you know, if, if you've ever talked to Ryan, he's such a... He's just a positive guy, and it comes out in the, the music, and it's like not stuff I genuinely, uh, generally, tend to gravitate to. But I can't, you know, much like with Type Fighter, I can't, I can't like deny that. That's fucking awesome. Uh, hopefully, there'll be more. It's not just demos. That'd be weird. <laughs> uh, that is our podcast for this week. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to us in iTunes, listen to us on Stitcher, download them. On your Commodore 64 emulator on your iPhone, sure. Is that, is that, that, that an option? Uh, you can leave us a review. You can reach out to That's us and tell us we're full of shit or that you really like what we're doing or you want to come on. Uh, but, you know, be in touch, communicate and stuff. Uh, we will be back next week with more than likely Kanye. Swish waves. Uh, yeah. So that's going to happen. Uh that, that yawn was unrelated to Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen next week. Uh, your next podcast after this, though, is going to be uh, my aforementioned sit-down with the Pines. Uh, came through this weekend. Uh, really great album. Above the Prairie. Uh, really cool dudes. So look forward to that. Until then, uh, be good to your ears, be better to your people, and we will talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi! <laughs> <laughs>